Wednesday, you sexy heathens. This is the Liberty Gypsy, and Michael is in a super secret location this week, working on a super secret project that if all goes well, I'm sure he will be so excited to share with you. But because we both had a very busy weekend and Michael is way under the gun with this super secret project, we're going to re-up some of our favorite interviews from this year so far. As promised, ladies and gentlemen, there's a there's a guy by the name of Pete Hegseth on the other line. Pete, how you doing? Michael, how are you? This feels odd. I'm not used to you asking the questions. We'll see how this goes. <laughs> yeah, it's turnabout. It is turnabout, and that is fair play. Now, did you have a show this morning? Because we're, we're, we're recording on a Sunday. We're being yeah. honest with our audience. Uh, you always are, Michael. Yes, we had a show this morning, a four-hour tour. Uh, it, sometimes it feels like it's never ending, but yes. Okay. So, uh, I know, I know the story that's driving me crazy. We'll, we'll get into the news a little bit later. I, I, sure. I want to make sure that we talk about your book. I got to tell you, buddy, I did a little research. I did a little research and, and I didn't realize this was your second book. I thought this was your first, I thought American Crusade was your big, um, hello world. I'm an author. This is your second book. Yeah, Michael, you and the rest of the world had no idea. <laughs> if uh, it, it sold uh, 80 copies. No, I'm just kidding. There, there was it came out four years ago. And if you go to Amazon right now, the cost of a hard copy for my first book is like 90 bucks because there are none out there. Um, it was. Yeah, the, the first one was uh, a true kind of ex- expression of where I'm coming from. And but I didn't have much of a platform on Fox. Fox turns out helps. And so this one did a little bit better. That's that's fantastic. Now. So so in the arena is your background of uh, your military army. You've been you've bebopped all over the planet, guy. Yeah. Yeah. It's not. I'm not audacious enough to think I should write a biography when I was 35 years old. I leave that to Barack Obama. Uh, (laughs) It was it was some of my story, but kind of where I was. If you compare in the arena to American Crusade, it's kind of the conversion or adaptation a lot of conservatives have had in the world of Trump. So there are big, not big changes, but significant changes in tone in the two books. Yeah, I think we have kind of a similar, uh, and I I certainly don't want to put words in your mouth, but in in 2016, let's just say this. I didn't start out as a Trump guy. Back in 20, back in 2015, when things were starting to heat up, you know, I had buddies that were like, Trump's the man, Trump is the man. And I was, I was a little, but boy, I could be the conductor on the Trump train, right? (laughs) (laughs) I know. I think you and I have the the passion of converts, you know? Yeah. Oftentimes converts to anything or, you know, you weren't there first, but then you had to work your way there. And that was me too, man. And the book lays that out. I, the second chapter starts with, hi, my name is Pete Hexeth, and I was almost a never Trumper. Uh, yeah. And here, and here's why, because I was fervent in sort of the establishment view. Who's this Trump guy? What's he talking about? You know, and, and as a, as a Iraq war vet, who is a big defender of that war, you know, he's, he's, he's talking about what a disaster it was. I couldn't wrap my brain around it. And I, and the book outlines 
uh, kind of the our moment and how necessary we needed that you know break glass in case of war kind of guy who just yeah. cut through all the other stuff and put America first. So that yeah, I, it's a been, confessional. That had to have been like a a tough one to get over because I remember feeling that in the debates when you know when Trump went after uh, Bush for the war in Iraq and I'm like I can't even imagine I can't even imagine like yeah, having but, served uh, over there and then having to be like hey I didn't waste my time. Yeah, exactly. You uh, you had to get past kind of the, you know, the, the way Trump talks about it. But then if you take a moment to step back and look at Iraq and Syria and the rise of ISIS, you kind of go, well, regardless of how well we executed and the courage people showed and the, the magnitude of the sacrifice, all of which are real. If, you know, if we had looked, if we had started in 2003 and said, what will Iraq look like in 2016, we wouldn't have wanted to look that way. And yeah. so you have to be honest about whether or not our involvement actually led to a good place. And at that moment, you know, the black flag of ISIS was flying and, and Obama was telling, calling it the JV team. I'm so glad you brought that up because the other night I couldn't sleep. I was thinking about it so much. I do. The, I, I do a thing on stage where like uh, where Trump has come through with like everything he's promised. He came through and it's almost comedic, like how fast he whooped ISIS's ass. Like, yes. <laughs> right. Admit, but it, like, it's funny, but then it's scary because you're like, well, he did do that fast. Like, what was Obama doing? So in, in your opinion, what's what's the difference between the Trump administration? Because I can re listen, guy, I can remember like every other day thinking what's going to happen next. Boy, they blew up that concert. Boy, they killed those people there. Yep. Boy, they drove a van through that crowd. You're worried all the time. And then Trump comes in. His hand isn't even off the Bible. And he's just like, they're gone. Like, yeah. What's the difference? I mean, it, let the pit bull off the leash. I mean, I really, you can't overestimate um, how the rules of engagement had been contorted, how much risk aversion was part of the Obama calculation, how our guys on the front lines were chomping at the bit to do what's necessary, but because of, you know, honestly, political correctness had so infected the military, you had to, you had to kill ISIS in like the most compassionate possible way under, <laughs> un, under Obama, I don't as opposed to, to, you know, war is hell and you're going to, you got to, you got to might meet ruthlessness with even more ruthlessness. And turns out our special operators do that real well if you let yeah. them do it and, and poof like that, um, you know, th they took care of business the way we should have a long time ago. Yeah, I, that's that is where I have always stood. Like that's in my that's how we won the Revolutionary War. In in my opinion, when I'm when I'm on stage, I'm like, we fought dirty. We fought dirty. We couldn't beat England in a fair fight, <laughs> so we put on our squirrel hats, we shot the generals, and we ran. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and that's that's how our enemies fight us today. Like they don't play by rules at Sick. all. In fact, they use the rules against us. And then we, we look around saying, well, that's not how you're supposed to fight war. Well, it turns out, you know, our enemy doesn't have to play by the, the, the Western rules that we've laid out. And either we adapt to fight and, and, and kill them or we just sit around wondering why the enemy doesn't play nice. And, and, I, and we're not ready for that. I don't know if our political sensibilities, our, our culture here can handle that. And that's one of the things I write about in this book. Either you got to be there 100 years. Or you got to be willing to ferociously decimate the enemy, uh, and I don't know if we've got the gut for the first, for the second one at this point. Man, I'm I'm telling you, you ferociously decimate the the enemy. I just found out some stuff about Germany in World War II. You probably knew this. You're a smart guy. You're a Princeton man. You're a Harvard man. 
I, I uh, snuck in. <laughs> I'd love to talk. Did you hear about, do you know about Pervitin in the, in the Second World War? Oh, you're edumacating me now, man. No. Okay. So I'm watching the World War II in color last night. I apologize for the sidetrack. But, like, when, when Germany is, is doing the Blitzkrieg, because they, they went into Poland yep. and they kind of got bogged down a little bit. They were stu- still doing old school. So when they just went pell-mell in, into France, France is like, it's going to take them two weeks. It's going to take them two weeks. But somehow the German infantry was able to keep going for days and days and days. Like they did in three and a half days what everyone thought it would take them two weeks. It turns out a, a, a big hunk of the German infantry was taking this drug called Pervitin. Which is like the original crystal meth, and it—that's just terrifying to me. Like Whoa. I'm already, I'm already scared of a regular Nazi. I don't need a, a crystal meth Nazi. <laughs> well, you, you talk. I mean, you you talk to guys who fought in Fallujah, uh, friends of mine and others, and elsewhere in Afghanistan. Those enemies were often high as 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 the uh, apparently the Blitzkrieg was. I mean, it is uh, it. Oftentimes our enemies do that. We we don't do that. But yeah. it, it, it puts it to the point where I, I remember friends saying, hey, I put one, two, three, four bullets in these guys and they kept coming. And, wow. and it's because they're out of their mind. Uh, you know, we don't fight that way. But uh, it's we, the other thing that benefits us a lot, uh, Michael, is that a lot of these Islamists are really bad shots. Uh, they fire off a lot of bullets, uh, yeah. but they don't they don't do the aiming thing. Uh, and the, the good ones, the good ones do. And I don't mean to dismiss the enemy, uh, right. but you, our guys are so well trained that if you just breathe, uh, put your scope on somebody, you can, you know, one round's all you really need. It's um, it's it's such a great conversation. I want to talk about all this stuff like like Black Hawk Down. Uh, I read that book and then a buddy of mine in Hollywood was the guy who adapted it, you know, for the screen. Yep. And that that battle that whole event that was amazing like our our men and women over there that was an amazing defense and you just see it looks like the the enemy likes to just hold their rifle out and shoot blindly around corners uh i don't even i don't even do that in video games (laughs) (laughs) i won't even do that in call of duty um God bless your buddy who put that uh, movie together because that was an inspiration for a lot of people, like watching the heroism. I wish Hollywood would figure that out. Can you get on that, buddy? Because if, you know, patriotic movies turn out, turns out they sell well uh, because people like to watch the good guys win. uh, And when they're accurately depicted, they're motivating for a lot of people. Well, I think you touch on this in in your book as well, and and I'm I'm all about the patriotic movies, and I'm all all about trying to make a difference in the culture because, yeah. and I know I I think you touch about that, uh, touch on that in the book. It's like we have our heroes are all screwed up, you know. Kids grow up like, oh, the Care Bears. We can't win unless we share, and socialism's awesome, and we have to be a team. And like, there's no individual rugged hero anymore. And I think that's that's to me that's the American spirit. You know, John Wayne, the lone cowboy against all odds. You know, being uh, reliant, self reliant. hundred uh, percent. You're you're right. I mean, and you're. You are a part of the real front lines because we all know that politics is a lagging indicator. It's downstream from culture. Culture is far more important. So while we're writing, you know, white papers and think tanks in in Washington, D.C. about, you know, Medicare policy, 
Uh, they're out there making movies and songs and controlling social media and curriculum in schools. I mean, my, my God, open up a textbook of one of your kids. Uh, and then you wonder why we've gotten to a place where Bernie Sanders is hip uh, and, yeah. and Joe Biden is running to the left in, in a primary because not, not in a primary, in a general, because our, our I mean, Ronald Reagan said it and you know this and you say you share this through your comedy and through what you do. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. And that sounds like a talking point, but it isn't. And when you look at education and culture, you start to realize we're raising kids who believe America is the bad guy in history and who don't have that view of rugged individualism and, and, and view that rights are endowed by God. And then we wonder you know, why they're seduced by socialism. Why wouldn't you? And they don't know history either. So they yes. would know that the Nazis are, were socialists and, and what the Soviet, all of those things stand for. Uh, and then we're just rudderless. Yeah, like literally, you, you tell people about Stalin starving millions of his own citizens to death. You tell them about what China did with their grand revolution, and they have like zero clue. Like you might as well be you might as well be talking about a science fiction book they haven't read because you can just see them glaze over. What? Yeah. What? Yeah. Don't, wait. Well, no. Don't take away my TikTok. No, not my TikTok. <laughs> what is the deal with TikTok? Everybody keeps asking me, and all I can say is like, there's some kind of embedded code where they're mining data and they can they can do something nefarious. I'm sure you know more about this than well, I. You know, I mean, the 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 American part of TikTok can say is attempting to say, don't worry, we'll never share your data. Of course, all these social media apps have massive mountains of data about us. It's why when you go on Instagram, uh, you know, ads pop up about things you were talking about yesterday and you're like, how yeah. does it know? It, it, it knows. The nefarious part is that because TikTok is owned by a Chinese company, which is controlled by the state, there's, there's a law in China. I mean, they, they can, Xi Jinping has, has pushed it, massive expansion of state powers. There's a law that if the Chinese government demands it, you must turn over user data of all of your people. So they might be able to say right now, don't worry, we're not giving it to the communist Chinese. Maybe they are, maybe they're not. But if they wanted to, they could. And that's 100 million, 120 million Americans. And the surveillance case capabilities are massive. So the fact that the DOD is saying to employees, you can't use it, um, makes you know a ton of sense. A lot of these companies try to do it themselves, but their woke staffers are like, "No, I want to make dance videos." Uh, I, I hope it's a moment to you know for parents to turn to kids and say, "Hey, here's why." The just problem is a lot of parents are scared of their kids, uh, and they're they're not going to explain that. So yeah, it, it it is a it is a not not a petty, but a small glimpse into the double standard that China's gotten away forever. Do you know how many American apps are allowed in China? Uh, I, zero, zero. There's none. You can't. Wow. It's always let us into your economy to take and replicate and steal. But if you come to us, we steal everything from you. You play by our rules. We're in control. Eventually, that uh, cuts against us. And we're already seeing that. Yeah. And I don't know if there was anything more annoying, like being in the New York area and hearing about if you step outside, it's death. It's instant death. And the hospitals are overwhelmed and nurses are working around the clock. You hear about all this horribleness and then you go to TikTok and you see some chick on a gurney dancing down the hall with her girlfriends. You're like, get no. to work, lady. Get oh to work. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Okay. And it's true. It's true. It is. So um, you have like you have a 30 second elevator pitch 
on like American Crusade? What's like when when you sit down to write a book like this? What is it that you really want to do? You want to say, hey, things are really bad, but we can fix it, and here's how we fix it. Or I, I don't. It seems like you're like you're an optimistic guy. It's it's not a book where you're like, hey, it's game over. Let's all find another place to live. I am optimistic, but but uh, Michael, two of the three scenarios in the book end up bad uh, for us. Like that's how bad it is where we are in our culture. I, I'll put it this way: a military analogy. There's something called the near ambush. A near ambush is the most dangerous thing you can be in. We train on it in the military. If you're in a near ambush, you're stuck in the kill zone. The enemy's right on top of you. They have the high ground. You're screwed. The, you're, you're dead. The only thing you can do is once you once you realize you're in a near ambush is pop a grenade, throw it, and then charge toward the enemy, right? Otherwise, you stay in that kill zone and you can't win. And wow. what, I think Donald, what I think Donald Trump represents is finally Republicans and patriots saying, you know what, we can't just kind of hide behind our vehicles and try to shoot back at the left as they crush us. We have to throw the grenades, charge the hill. And what happens when you charge is, the only reason that's your only chance, is if you're able to make it through, or a few people are, the enemy has to expose itself from their concealed position, from the, from the tall grass. Now you can see them and you know who they are. And I think Trump has been the guy lobbing those grenades saying it's time to charge. And when he does that, from media to social media to the Democrats, they show us who they really are. They're socialists. The media is fake. It's all stacked. And so he's created a, an opening for patriots to, to expose that and try to fight back. And I, I think 2020, it will be a mass, it will be massively telling uh, whether we win or lose. It shows whether we can still win in the political quarter. But we have to use this moment to drive into the culture and drive into educational institutions. Otherwise, I mean, the left, it's depressing when you read the book and you realize how entrenched leftist ideology is across American culture. Uh, so I'm not pessimistic, but I'm realistic in the book that that we better seize on what Trump has done or, you know, republics only live on average between 225 and 275 years. Like we're right in the sweet spot of that and we're killing ourselves. Wow. You know, that is the best metaphor, the, the, the near ambush. That's the that's the best. Now I now I have to get the book. That's the best metaphor for where we are. And that's how I feel about it. I feel like there's like a little game that the Republicans and the Democrats have played for a very, very, very long time. And a lot of people got rich where you, you put up like a, a fake fight. You kind of half fight. It's all for show. But then the, the Republicans always give a little ground. We always give a little ground. So, OK, so now you're a foot more to the left. Now you're another foot more to the left. And we've come we've come all the way left that we can. The next the next step is over the cliff. The next step is straight up socialism. So we're, we're there. It's, it's the near ambush. Yeah. It's a much and better, people, I'm going to steal that. You should steal it. Uh, absolutely. A hundred percent. But what, uh, you know, what, what makes people point out and they're not wrong. Hey, people, don't be so obsessed about this moment. You know, you're, you're, it's, and I, I, I try to grapple with the idea of momentism that like we get stuck in our moment and think it's the worst. And people point out, Hey, we fought a revolution. We fought a civil war, civil rights movement. I, I concede all of that. But, but what's different about now is, is the civil war was, we were fighting to fulfill the promises of our founding, right, of equality, uh, uh, the, that, that, the civil rights movement, same thing. Martin Luther King is marching with a Bible in his hand, quoting the Declaration, saying, Here, here's why you know, we can do better as Americans. The, the left today is saying America is the enemy. Like, 
Our founders are were nothing but racists. America was founded on nothing but slavery. Capitalism is evil. And when you're fighting a political opponent who isn't just different in ideology, but believes the country you're in is bad, that's a whole different moment. Like we we weren't there on a large scale before. We are because of education and indoctrination today. So I, I think, you know, sometimes you can be too obsessed with your moment. I don't know that that's true right now. Yeah. Yeah, that's a very good point. That's a very good point. Everybody, you wonderful listeners, you got to go pick up Pete's book. You got to get American Crusade, uh, Our Fight to Stay Free. Also, start a GoFundMe, everybody listening. Scrape all your money together, and we're going to all bid on an original copy of In the Arena (laughs) from 2016. Here's, I got one last question for you. When you get in the car, or when you get where you, you've got to get to work, but you want to get in the right mindset. What do you jam out to? What do you, what song do you just hit play on? You're like, this is going to get me right. Oh my goodness. It, it, um, it rotates. I'll be honest. Okay. I'm yeah. usually allow myself to be a slave to the shuffle function on iTunes of the songs that I've downloaded, which, which, which is terrible because it runs you into like Christmas songs and I know. Other thing, you know, so and then I, you're hitting I, skip, skip, skip. Then you're hitting skip, skip, skip. A lot of people do that. <laughs> uh, I mean, recently it's been Kanye's "God Is King" uh, ep- er, album, which I think is fantastic. My and buddy played guitar on that. Really? Yeah, one of my cohorts on the fr- the Freedom to Laugh uh, comedy tour. My buddy Brian Hayner played on a couple of those tracks. We couldn't tell anybody. And like I would I would be in the studio with you guys and talking about the Freedom to Laugh tour and I know that my buddy is in the studio as we speak, you know, blah blah blah. He's putting down tracks. He's working for Kanye West and I'm like, this is how cool we are. This is how cool we are. I'm funny. My buddy plays guitar on Kanye's album. I've been jamming up. I'm rediscovering the Eagles of Death Metal. Dude, you you got to get some of that in the rotation. You got to get some of death metal. Not yeah. wasn't wasn't top of my list. Uh, oh, but. they were the band that was playing in in Paris when they were like when when ISIS came in and the dude started shooting the oh, joint wow. up. Uh, but check out some Eagles of Death Metal. You will be surprised. Okay, all right, you got it. You got my word. And I will say, I'll say, Michael, I've, I've confessed this to you privately, but now I'll confess it publicly. I. I've always wanted to try stand-up comedy. I, I don't think I would be good at it. I don't know that I have it, but I don't think I can go. I don't think I can go to the grave until I try. You know what all you comedians describe when you walk up to the microphone and you realize people are there and your only job is to make them laugh, which I've never been good at. So I, but I've always like to think maybe I've got the opportunity and then, you know, Jen, my wife or others will be like, whoa, whoa, bad idea. This is not going to go well for you. Dude, it's going to happen. This is going to happen. You got a little reprieve with the Rona. You got a little reprieve. There's not a lot of live dates, but I'm going to make something happen. You, you crushed it when you hosted the, uh, the the Fox nation awards thing. That's half the battle coming out there and not peeing your pants. That is half the battle, but, Making people laugh when they're not expecting to laugh, that's a little that you know that's much easier than making people laugh when they're like, What's this guy got? You know, uh-huh. it's a whole nother dynamic. It's the worst. It's the worst. When 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 I'm about to go on stage and the guy introducing me goes, This is the funniest person you'll ever see. Oh he is God. hilarious. Then you can just feel the whole audience butts pucker and they get all mad and they're like, Okay, prove it. Yeah, it's much better to be funny. <laughs> 
I won't set you up to. I'll give you a great introduction. You'll tell some heartwarming stories about uh, uh, growing up in in Minnesota and sledding and cross country skiing or whatever the <laughs> hell you did up there. I don't even know what I did. It seems like a lifetime ago. All right, yeah. I'm, when when we when we do it, when the Rona is over and in person is real again, we I can't do it. You know, socially distance. It's got to be the real thing. And uh, I'm gonna just know this. I will make fun of whatever you're wearing. Whatever you're wearing is going to be because you like to bust my chops about that when I'm on the show. You're like, thanks for dressing up, all this stuff. So, listen, uh, I I will get even. (laughs) Okay. I mean, you're right. It's like, it's always like, hey, Michael, is that your nicest jean jacket or is this dress up day? (laughs) All right. Well, hey, get on the show. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks so much. Everybody, you got to pick up his book, American Crusade Our Fight to Stay Free. Pete, thanks a ton. Enjoy the rest of your day, brother. Thanks, brother. Likewise. Tired of paying outrageous prices for Viagra? Well, we have great news for you. Now you can finally get Viagra at huge discounts. Healthy Man allows you to save up to $500 on Viagra. Why pay U.S. pharmacy prices of $15 per pill or more when you can get Viagra for less than $3 a pill? Call today and get 40 Viagra pills for only $99. This can cost as much as $600 at your local pharmacy. You can't afford not to call us. If you want Viagra at the lowest prices, never pay $15 a pill pharmacy prices again. Get Viagra for less than $3 a pill. Call 1-800-516-7602 today and save up to $500 and get 40 pills for just $99. Healthy Man is fast, easy, and affordable. Operators are waiting at 1-800-516-7602 to take your call right now. Call 1-800-516-7602. That's 1-800-516-7602. Again, 1-800-516-7602. business owner, you deserve more. More confidence, more connectivity, more of the tools that help your business thrive. And at Cox Business, you can expect more from us. We don't just have sales reps. We have perfect plan identifiers, people who will work with you to make sure your business gets everything it needs and nothing that it doesn't. Your business deserves more, and that's why you can expect more from Cox Business. Call 800-526-8572 to switch today. Little teapot, short and stout. Here is my handle and here is my spout. No, Dad, like this. When I get all steamed up, then I shout, tip me over and pour me out. (laughs) This is WWE superstar Roman Reigns. It only takes a moment to make a moment. Take time to be a dad today. Visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Welcome back, everybody. 
We're very happy. It's a big, big day here at the Loftus Party Podcast. Uh, on the other end of the interwebs is is Dana Perino. You know her from the Daily Briefing, but you probably know her from the Five when they have a guest host like like yours truly. Dana, are you there? I'm here. Believe it or not, I figured out how to get on Skype. <laughs> that's that's fantastic. So already today, I don't understand why is Skype better than a phone? Well, I th- there's a couple of reasons. This is what they claim. It used to be fantastic. Skype used to be wonderful, uh, and you could do, you can do video chats. And now I think Microsoft bought it, so they want to sell you like a subscription. So I think they kind of dial down the service. You can still do videos, and you and they they do have a built-in uh, recorder. Like you can record videos. And- yeah, I get that. Yeah, the recording is yeah. better. Yep. Yeah. All right, so let's let's get caught up with you. My first question, do you have a dog? <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Not only do I have a dog, I have America's dog. I think you do. I think but you do. But do you know why he's called America's dog? No, please tell me. So I have a dog named Jasper. It's a Bishla. Really? Do you ever take photos? Do you ever take pictures? Listen, <laughs> I'm assuming that you're going to get some new listeners for this podcast, and they might not oh. know. Okay. You're very wise. So, very wise. Yes. So Jasper is a bishla. Um, he is super cute, lots of personality. The reason I call him America's dog is not because I'm super arrogant and think that he's the best dog in America. It's because years ago on Red Eye with Greg Gutfeld, he had asked me about this um, actress who was mad that the paparazzi were taking pictures of her little dog and she was going to sue them. And Greg said, Dana, you would never get mad about that and I said no I want to share my dog with everybody and even if they don't have a dog they can think of Jasper as theirs Jasper can be America's dog and that's how it started okay so all joking aside and I I don't want to take up too much of your time because I know you're you're insanely busy you're in New Hampshire now yeah yeah it's a beautiful oh I love it here okay so you're also a good liar (laughs) isn't it cold (laughs) it's cold but it's a dry cold and there's snow on the ground. We're at the beautiful Bedford Village Inn, which is not like the restaurant, the Village Inn, even though I love a Village Inn. Do you guys know Village Inn? What, the, the Village Inn, isn't that an L.A. thing? Well, I grew up in Colorado, and it was there in Colorado, too. It's like It was like a better than Denny's type of place. Not quite it, Perkins. Right, but it was right up there with, with Hojo, with Howard Johnson's. It was like the Village yeah. Inn. Exactly. was like a classier version of of Howard Johnson's. Okay, so so what's what's the vibe? Here's what I want to know. Okay, so Iowa was was a complete disaster. That that was a, a a complete and total disaster. What is the vibe in New Hampshire? I'm sure you talked about this with uh, Chris Wallace this morning. I have it I have a DVR. I'm going to watch it later. But who's who's going to who's going to win? I want predictions. I think that you have to say that Bernie Sanders is the most likely to win. He beat um, Hillary Clinton by 20 points. Ow. Um, but he's not going to win by that much this time because the field is still very fractured. But I think you'd have to say he's likely to win, but that Mayor Pete Buttigieg will be within five to six points of his lead. And the, okay. the Buttigieg people have already said they'll consider that a win since Sanders had such a strong uh, base here the last time. Um, yeah. Joe Biden, 
I get I just I get the sense and the feeling that he's flailing and yeah. that he's like a zombie candidate. He's yeah. dead, but he just doesn't know it yet. Yes. Yes. Olivia I see the ad he put out on Pete Buttigieg earlier today. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was so sad. David's like, yeah. Yeah, like, I mean, I haven't. I, let's, Joe Biden I haven't said that he it. would be the one that would never campaign negatively. But in order to survive, he has to do this. But then it just feels very discordant, and it doesn't look like a national front runner who is not worried about competition. And again, I think that Biden won't do well here. His fundraising is already falling off. I don't Ooh. know. I mean, I think that he wants to stay in through South Carolina. But I also wonder if he's just going to be able to make it there just financially. They're flailing. The other person that you're not hearing from is uh, Elizabeth Warren. And I think it's because she came in third. So if you're the first and the second, that's exciting. You get a little bump yeah. from that. If you're last, everyone talks about how you are terrible. But if you're third, it's like, oh, well... You know, the bronze. Nobody wants the bronze. Nobody. How, how bad do you think that little stunt she pulled with the hot mic at the debate actually hurt her? I think that it. I think she was never going to really do better than third. But I do think, just based on some anecdotal evidence of people talking about it, that they thought that she was lying and that Bernie Sanders was not. Now, I will tell you this. I've also heard that a lot of Democratic women are very, very mad. And they really getting the short end of the stick and that Amy Klobuchar, who actually had, of all of her debates, had her best debate performance on Friday night, the, the weekend going into the New Hampshire primary. So she's on the move at the right time. Um, talked to a AP reporter today who said that at three events yesterday, everybody was talking about Amy Klobuchar. But I think we all know that that's not going to light a match. No. I, I, I think of all of this in entertainment. How does this entertain me? I want I want Elizabeth Warren to stick around a little while longer because I love uh, Kate McKinnon's impression of her on SNL. It's just too hilarious. It's just too funny. Although SNL last night had uh, Rachel Dratch as Amy Klobuchar. And I think there's some gold to be had there. I think there could be, because Amy Klobuchar kind of reminds me of that wah, wah, wah character that yeah. Rachel Dratch did on, on SNL. Here's, I'm going to call it right now. I'm going to call it right now. Are you ready for this? Uh, yeah. Biden goes bye-bye very soon. I think, yeah. I think New Hampshire is going to be a disaster for him. I think it's going to be Mike Bloomberg. In my bones, I feel it's going to be Mike Bloomberg. That's what a lot of people are talking about it. A lot of people are talking about it. How how just ridiculous is the Democrat nominating older white billionaire as their nominee? Former Republican. Republican. Well, I mean, Elizabeth Warren was too, to be fair. But, I mean, mean, like when you look at all of the rhetoric in all of the debates and how billionaires are bad, if that actually happens... That's comedy gold in and of itself. Yeah, I, I asked a question this morning. Will a lonely Democratic Party turn its eyes to Michael Bloomberg? <laughs> <laughs> I 
And I someone should it. set that to music. Like they can definitely spend a ton of money. It, it's more than the ads, though. I got a little tip from someone Ooh. over there in his campaign. I'll share it with you. Bring it. I can hear the papers now. Yeah, this I got is when I know you're serious. This is I know you're serious because I hear papers going. So you know that he's spending a bunch on ads. Okay, that's something. He already has 2,100 staff. Really? Yes. There are 400 at the headquarters, 400 people at the headquarters, 1,700 in the states. Um, They're in all of the Super Tuesday states, which is a ton, ton. Um, They have 40 or more staff in 18 states. Wow. They've had 1 million voter conversations. And they're out there talking to all sorts of people who are watching the Democrats flail around like a fish out of water and thinking, well, gosh, maybe Michael Bloomberg is the one that's going to save us. The thing is, it's kind of like, I'm going to try this analogy out on you guys because I don't know if I could do it on Fox News and, you, and, pull, okay. and pull it off. You can totally do it. I have so much faith in you. It's stupid. I sort of feel like to Stacey's point, if the Democrats decide that they are going to go to the dance with Michael Bloomberg. Mm-hmm. So far, you're crushing it. They might just decide to go ahead and get married to the older man because he's got the money and it's safe and he says he'll take care of you and you're not worried about him cheating on you. <laughs> and I love it. It's like an older man with like a younger, hot babe that becomes his wife. Yes. I just find it hard to imagine that the Bernie bros are going to be like, yeah, Bloomberg, four more years. Woo, I can't no way. see that at all. Well, listen, they're they're going to be mad anyway. They're going to be the best friend who just hates the new girl. I'm running with your metaphor. I think it's a great metaphor. <laughs> and I think it, it's too funny. I've said this before on, on this show, which I know you're a fan and you record all the episodes. Love, I love your podcast. I love it. <laughs> it's, this is the, I think... Probably the end of the Democrat Party. You're you're going to have a big split. I think Bernie, uh, when it doesn't work out for him, and it can't. It you should. Do you watch Chris Matthews at all? Chris Matthews on MSNBC is losing his mind over the idea of Bernie. You know so, what? I've been, you know what you should do for your podcast? What you should you should print the Vox.com, not Fox, but Vox with a V. Dot com interview with James Carville. And you should read it aloud as a dramatic interpretation. <laughs> That's a did, because did you James's wasn't dramatic enough. He, what am I doing here? What am I doing here? I weigh so, 78 pounds. I'm James Carvel. He destroyed the Democratic Party. And a friend of mine that's a Democrat today said, I said, what are the Dems going to do? And he said, they will appear to hang together, but will absolutely hang apart. I... But I mean, for anybody who's been watching, I wrote this um, for one of the places I write back in November brag. of 2018. I got to throw a flag on the play for the giant humble brags, Stacey. Well, no. All I said was, I think the freshmen are going to give the headmistress a headache. And I was talking about AOC showing up in Nancy Pelosi's office. Like For yeah, anybody yeah. that's been watching and knows that the that the... Just as Democrats are primarying like over a hundred people nationwide, AOC is not giving any of her fundraising to the Democratic Party or re-election committees. Like that fissure is so obvious if people just 
pay a little bit of attention. Well, my husband is British and also the smartest person I know, like the wisest person I know. And one that of the could be that, the accent. That could be it, the accent. It, it's so true. <laughs> Sometimes you can tell he's just BSing and you're like, it's just because of the accent. You sound like a colonialist. <laughs> right. So smart. I'm like, I'm not buying it. But, <laughs> but he said that it's like the Democratic Party is learning all of the wrong uh, lessons from the Labour Party in the UK. Yeah. He, he said they are always telling people what they need rather than asking them, what do you want? And I don't see beyond like Bernie's 12% of Americans who really want socialism. There isn't a clamor for that. What people have said is that they want a return to normal. But a return to normal doesn't mean like a wholesale changing of like destroying the capitalist system. They just want him to stop tweeting. And and then I'm, I'm over here. I love the tweets. I really, really love no, the yeah, tweets. There, I mean, there's certainly a constituency for the tweets, and <clears> they <throat> love it. And I know a lot of people do. But you know what I mean? Like, the Democrats are saying, just give me something normal. And Bernie yes. Sanders is not it. Amy Klobuchar might be it. But you also have to have some pep in your step. Well, yeah. You might start throwing binders at people. Well, I, I think that there's a fundamental disconnect with, uh, and this is maybe just me thinking uh, the worst of people. I'll, I'll try to use an English accent so it sounds believable. Um, I, I think that there's a large segment of the younger population that has no idea that it's their tax dollars that fund the government. They believe that the government just has all this money. Why don't they give me things? And you're like, hey, you stooge. That's your money. I really don't think they, they just think that Wait, the government Michael has a big. Loftus, you should have like a separate podcast that you just like make up somebody and be that character. <laughs> it's really good. I Thank you. We've I interviewed will. his impressions before. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a, I'm a silly, silly person, but I, I, I really think that that's what it is. So uh, here's the other big story. And I want to get your take on this before we let you get back to New Hampshire and hanging out with the cool kids like Chris Wallace. What's he doing now? Is Are you going to meet up with Chris at the Starbucks later? You know what? I um, I stayed behind to do this podcast, so I'm on my own for a few hours. Oh, so I ruined your day. No, it actually worked out, no, it actually worked out perfectly. Thank you, got you very a, much. You had, a good ex, you had a good excuse to ditch Chris Wallace. Sorry, Chris. No. Can't get the Starbucks. I know you love I Burger King, Chris. Wallace, I ditched Juan. Oh, okay. Now, now, they're, now we're starting a, a tiff. Okay, so here's my my. Uh, this is the other big insight, and it makes me feel smart to say this: uh, the, what the expectations of how many people they thought would participate in Iowa? They thought it was going to be bigger than 2008. They thought it was going to. I think it was like I want to say 240,000 Democrats participated in that caucus. This one was down like in the 170s, 170. It was there's there's not the enthusiasm that they think there is. That makes me happy. There's not the Obama. No. Right. And also, you know, it seems like I, I wish for everybody to be able to live their life following their heart. Right. That's like you're like, oh, it'd be so nice if we could all just follow our hearts. But yes. we also have to be sensible. So we follow our head and we tell our heart. We're trying to do what you want to do, but we have to like pay the bills, so we have to be sensible. Now, what the, what the Democrats are just tying themselves up in knots in is that instead of just saying, I believe in this person, 
I am going to support this person. They're constantly asking themselves, can this person beat Donald Trump? And they're never getting to a satisfactory answer, except for if you're like all in on Bernie. Yes. Everyone else is like hedging a little bit. And and truthfully, if if Biden doesn't do well, does that mean that the lane for the moderate voter is in with Pete Buttigieg? And I got to tell you, his record's not that moderate. Like, if you want to abolish the Electoral College, again, that's not a return to normal. Yeah, it, it really court. isn't. But I think you're right. I think that the that Pete, I think Pete Buttigieg would pick up all the Biden people, and then he can always he can always tack right. You know, I don't to, think th- I don't think so. I don't. Well, I don't know. Actually, a lot of the Obama people, um, like Mayor Pete. Oh, by the way, today, um, when I was going up the stairs to get hair and makeup, the candidate Mayor Pete was coming down the stairs to do his interview with Chris Wallace, and I no never way. met him. No, I've never. Oh. So I've never met him. I would like to okay. meet him, but I never met him. And I'm pretty deferential. You know, I still like to call people Mister, Mrs., like especially on first meeting or reference. Yes. And I see him, and I was kind of surprised. I didn't realize he was coming down the stairs. And instead of saying, "Hello, Mister Buttigieg or Mayor Buttigieg," I said, "Oh, hey, Mayor Pete." <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's an interesting generational thing, right? Like, Democrats need a disruptor. They don't like to just do safe things. It doesn't work for them. Hillary, Gore. Yeah, they're 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 all uh, robots. They're all robots. What was his reaction to when you delightfully called him "Hey, Mayor Pete"? He said, "Hi, how are you doing?" Like, That's great. <laughs> yeah, he knows what's up. He knows but how to he, play the political game. I mean, his polling, even after Iowa with minority voters, has not gone anywhere. No, they're not buying it. You know who I'm at all. Say? I'm going to see um, Donna Brazil tomorrow. She'll tell yeah. me everything you need to know. She knows exactly what's going on. So I can't wait to see her. Okay, that's fine. Now, you need to uh, make sure that Greg Gutfeld gets another cold or some kind of, uh, not coronavirus, don't give him that, but but get him just a little under the weather so I can have an excuse to come back and co-host The Five so you can give me the inside scoop on Donna Brazil. True. Tr- oh, I love Donna Brazil. I'll tell you, I've been really good friends since 2005, since Hurricane Katrina. Um, Michael, you're a really good fill-in on the five. Oh, I'm, and this is just, uh, not to get too, uh, sappy, but like that, I, I really, I'm, I've been in TV for a long time, but I'm, I'm always like in sitcoms or half hours, whatever. I've never been like live, live, like for an hour live. And that first day, that first day. I, I literally thought we would film it at four and then go at five. I'm, I'm not even kidding you. So, like, I'm in the green room and I'm like, well, they're, they're cutting it close because no one else is down here. And then, like, no, no, we go at five. And I'm just, I, I tightened up my, my little, uh, my little butthole just said, whoa, this is scary. And, but you were fantastic. Everyone there was so extremely generous. And I just remember you sitting there going, don't worry, I won't let anything happen. And I'm like, thank God for Dana Perino. Oh, I love having you. It was fun. Um, I, you know, I'm so proud of The Five. We've been doing it nine years. No. No, yeah, you have ninth, not. We're in our ninth year now. And um, I think that our show just continues to get better. It evolves, of course. There's some different personalities that come along. But I think because of all this breaking news in the last six months, new viewers have tuned in and I think they're like, oh, this show's kind of fun. We should and, watch this show. 
It is. And like someone told me, because I was nervous, like, oh, don't worry. It's, a, it's just like a conversation, like around. A and I think that is, and once again, this is no BS. Uh, there's enough conflict there, and it's a free exchange of ideas, and that's cool. And no one is edited, and no one is told, you know, don't say this, don't say that, which is fantastic. But it reminds me, I'm not even kidding, of, of like a, it's like a really good uh, talk show that you would see at night. You know, it's like, hey, these people are just hanging out, commenting. There's something that's 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 wonderful about the relaxed nature of it, uh, and it just and it just looks so effortless. And that's kind of like that, your podcast. Although, I mean, Stacy really does carry you through this whole thing. All right. That's all the time we have. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> That's actually a great way to stick the dismount. Uh, Dana Perino, thank you so much. You're incredibly generous with your time. I do appreciate it. Uh, if, I, if there's anything I can do for you, if I can, like, if you ever need, like, a dog walker, something like that. Um, yeah. You want to walk, walk Jasper? You know, you'll meet a lot of ladies if you do that. I'm uh, okie doke. I mean, they'll, but they won't want to talk to me. They'll just go, "Oh, isn't that Jasper? Isn't that America's dog?" And then I'll just be standing there like a like a loser. <laughs> no, I think that people are like, "Oh my gosh, do you know Dave? Oh wow! Oh people, wow! Recognize Jasper first, and then they'll look up and go, "Oh my gosh, it is you!" That's hilarious. Yeah. That's hilarious. You now you're still. Get some time and bring it, like, take them to Central Park. You won't believe all the le young ladies you'll meet. Let's do it. I'll, I'll do little interviews for the daily briefing. Now when, does, now, when do new episodes of your podcast come out? Every Wednesday, but we are going to record a special one tonight. Oh, uh, And where we're going to be asking, what do millennials want to understand about the election? That's awesome. That's great. I want. I I need to meet meet uh, that Chris Steyerwalt fella. He seems yeah, like a he's, good. Yeah, he, he's great. He's great. He's from West Virginia. Yeah. Yeah. Baby. There you go. That's where I got. He's I got, got a whole bunch of hillbilly there. bullshit to throw your way. You should do your uh, podcast sometime. Absolutely. Hook a brother up. Uh, where's because uh, I have I have family in West Virginia. I have family all over uh, Elkins and Huntington, and uh, I got I got West Virginia in my blood. So. Everyone needs to uh, watch The Five, because they already are. This is just stupid, but it makes me feel professional. They need to watch The Daily Briefing, and they need to listen to your podcast uh, with, with Chris Starwell. Sorry, I have to tell them one second, because <laughs> I need my room clean. <laughs> this is perfect. Go. Get your room clean. Jason Let housekeeping in. All right. I'm a, I'm a huge fan. Talk to you later. We have that that laughter you hear on the other end of the the Skype audio thingy, Mahui is Greg Gutfeld. Greg Gutfeld, I I can't believe you're on the show. Thanks for being here, buddy. I am I'm I'm so happy to be here after screwing you over uh, today, forgetting, and then the other time was during a that hurricane. Yes, all my power went out, and I actually was hiding in my bathroom in the basement. Uh, it was it was crazy. I'm like I'm from the West Coast. I don't understand weather. Like we don't have weather. So yeah, well that's that's. I grew up in Ohio, and my whole joke when I moved after I moved to California 
in like 99 was like, this is too much. There's no, you can't, the problem with California is you can't predict anything. There's just going to be a wildfire. There's just going to be a mudslide. Then, then there's just going to be an earthquake. There's no warning. I like, oh, I like, I like the East coast. I like, you get a warning. They're like, here comes a powerful storm. That's going to kick your ass. You might want to hunker down now. Yeah. But then in California, you won't get a warning, but then you'll have eight years of drought and nothing. Just like completely nothing. Right. They get you. They get you complacent. They get you feeling like, OK, I guess water's our only worry. And then they shake the planet that you're walking around on. OK, <laughs> we, we have we have a limited time here because I, I, I understand you're a, you're a very, very busy guy. You were probably doing a show last night. You probably had one of your big, famous Greg Gutfeld uh, drive in movie theater shows, right? Oh, we postponed it. We uh, we were supposed to do North Carolina. Oh, my God. Is it North Carolina or South Carolina? I always get them confused. You know, just pick a state and be the state. Why North and South? Why do you do that? I <laughs> the thing is, so uh, I was at Columbia Speedway. Where is that? North Carolina? I'm insulting people right now. But anyway, they had to postpone the COVID. So it was I was supposed to actually do it tonight at in about um, four hours. And uh, they decided that uh, the mass gathering would not be a good idea, so that was postponed. I'm actually, I'm, I'm actually, you know, I'm okay with that because I would rather be safe than sorry. But it does bug me about the people who have to work for a living, who have to deal with this stuff because it doesn't hurt me. I just go back to work. Exactly. And, uh, so, so, but what did you do instead? See, this that was my little that was my little segue for you. So, if you didn't do a show, what'd you get into? What does Greg Gutfeld do when he's not entertaining America? So this weekend I had carved out to travel and I didn't have to travel. So my truck, I, I is at the mechanic. I bought a Defender, so I don't have a car. So I'm basically at my house up in North, like in upstate New York. I went uh, to the grocery store. This is very exciting stuff, Michael. I went to the grocery store. <laughs> my idea of a grocery store is Walgreens because when you're alone, my wife is actually in Russia because her mother was in the hospital with COVID. So my oh, wife- no. I, yeah, she had a flight and her father had COVID, her sister had COVID. <clears throat> it, was, it was a nightmare. So uh, she flew. So she's been there. So I've been on my own. And then I was quarantined for uh, COVID at Fox because, as you know, a few people at Fox got COVID. So I'm here. I ended up shopping. I went to a nice little um, grill restaurant <laughs> my at, in Ridgefield, Connecticut. And um, then I whipped out my electric guitar. I have a, a, a guitar that I play, but I haven't played in a while. So it's, it's, for some reason, everything is about the tuning and the sound of the guitar. And if you get that right, you can sound like Pete Townsend. I'm just, it's like, I can't figure it out. I, there's something that I, I forgot how, I can tune a guitar. I forgot how to get the right distortion. And that's driving me crazy. Now, what kind of, here's the funny thing, but this is what I did. And this is why I wanted to kind of get into this. When the, when the lockdown hit, cause I played, I was in a band in high school. Yeah. We, we played a bunch of songs way too fast and badly. And then it was kind of like punk. <laughs> yeah, but of course. So now I'm like during, during the lockdown, I'm like, I'm going to learn this. I'm going to learn actually how yeah. to play these chords and all this stuff. And I, I did this, uh, and I, I get no money from these people. I wish I did. There's this app called Musician, Y O U 
musician. And it's the same people who made the app Guitar Tuna. And you got to get those. It's, it's going to change your life. It's going to change your life. You're so like, oh, my God. This. Tell me about this. By the way, musician, terrible name. But why do you like it? Because, okay, here's my thing. Here, I'm going to tell you why. So I did the same thing you did. I And I actually really got pretty good. I, I bought a Godin, which is, I think, a guitar out of Mexico or Canada. I can't remember. Electric guitar. It's beautiful. It's as good as the Stratocaster. It's like, but 300 bucks. Anyway, so yeah. I, what I, what I decided to do was I went on YouTube and I go, okay, what are the songs I want to learn? And uh, like Blister in the Sun, Violent yes. Bam. Do, 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 do. I do that. And then I go, okay, now I want to do um, All Day and All the Night by the King. What I realized that I'm not really learning anything. I'm just learning to mimic certain things, which is fine if you're 16 and you want to learn how to play like the Clash or whatever. But at this point in my life, you've got to kind of like learn the, the scales, right? Yes. You've got to learn how to, to move everywhere. And the, and the scale. So, um, so this is so funny. Um, I realized that YouTube wasn't helpful. And there's this great guy that owns a music store in Connecticut. And he came over and he's the guy that, bought, that I bought the guitar from. And he was like just telling me like, here's what you need to do. But then that was one day before that freaking hurricane. So he's like, <laughs> so I'm like learning um, all the scales and different. So my whole thing is, uh, my issue with the guitar is I want to move up and down the neck. And what happens when you're learning is you get stuck in like the fifth fret, right? Yeah. Or the third fret. Yeah. And you're like, you know what I mean? You're not really, but you know what? When you watch people that know what they're doing, they're moving up and down the fret. And that's all about the scales and getting comfortable. But here's the thing. I wanted to learn how to play thrash metal because a lot of my favorite, a lot of the favorite music that I like now by the Melvins and Slayer and Mr. Bungle is the speed uh, when you've got the, the palm muting yeah. on the fret and yeah. you are going up and down. And it's like, I can't do it. And I'm wondering if it's because I'm old and I can't learn. Like I don't, it's like me deciding to become a, an Olympic sprinter. Like I can't do it, but I look at what they're doing and I go, I know I can do this. I watched uh, King Buzzo do my, my favorite song of all time is Honey Bucket. And okay. I watched him play the, um, the riffage. And I'm going like, I know I could do that, but I can't. So it's like that. It drives me crazy. Too much. I was, so, so my question is, what does musician do for you? Because you said it's a lifesaver. Okay. I, so here, this is the funny, this is the funny thing. But like a buddy of mine, when I was in high school, we were playing like Beatles songs, Rolling Stones, and then I, then I, a buddy of mine turned me on to the Clash, and my, it, it literally like blew my mind. I had to pull the car over. I had to pull the car over. So, but, but, but I never knew how anything worked. It's the same thing. I could make these noises, but I didn't know why. And it's it, this is hilarious to me because I went out and I bought, I bought a Strat. I had a little like. Uh, acoustic Yamaha, like that I was banging around on, but I'm like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna dive in. I want to know why it drives me yeah. crazy. Like, why does this work? And it's it's too funny. But your your comment about guitar players who play all over the neck, it's like, wait, yeah. I was so uh, so I discovered. You don't have to, by the way. But if you look at like if you look at uh, uh, Johnny Ramone, yeah. and you see that like you know it's like he's up here, but it's like but it's it's very simple, but it's also beautiful and. Uh, uh, you know, I, I have a great class story. Did I ever tell you this? I, mean, I don't know, because we don't know each other that well. I had Mick Jones on Red Eye. No, you I didn't. Was, I, I was, uh, so he was in a band called Carbon Silicon with Tony James, who's the bass player from Generation X. 
Gotcha. And, uh, you know, they both had tried out for the Damned. Uh, if you watch the Damned documentary that's on uh, Amazon Prime right now, I had no idea. So anyway, I had I had them on because I was uh, and I had a great story uh, because I got, became friends with Mick Jones, who I idolized. So yeah. he, they come on and they they're on Red Eye. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm like out of this. And we decided I go. So do you want to go drinking? And he goes. Yes, that would be great. I'd love to go drinking. And so we go, and, and, and we're walking to um, Langen's, which is the same place that I got wasted with Johnny Rotten about, I don't know, the three or four years before. And I'm walking with Mick Jones, and I go, so how are things going? He's like, you know, Greg, I don't know. I've, it's been such a long time since I've really played, and I, I just don't have the confidence. And I'm like going, dude, you're Mick Jones! <laughs> Mick Jones! <laughs> what are you talking about? And not Mick Jones from Foreigner. Mick Jones from The Clash! It's yeah, like, like he was. He was. He was like he had. He was one of those guys that was made greater by being in a band. And when he left, but then Big Audio Dynamite was pretty good. But he they was like great. he had. He had like um, walked away and like he needed a comp like that great riffage. He needed. He needed some kind of structure for it. It was interesting. So him and I and me him. Me and uh, Tony James, who it was also, I mean, Gen X was amazing. And we all went to a bar. We got loaded. And then when I, I'd written a book that had about a year earlier on England called The Lessons from the Land of Pork Scratchings. And I had, it finally came out. So I flew uh, to London to do a book signing thing. And I threw a party at this pub. And uh, I ended up going to the West Way, where Mick Jones, oh, so amazing. Mick Jones. Um, Glenn Matlock, uh, who's a drummer, Paul Cook from the Sex Pistols. So they're all playing. They're all playing. And I'm there with Elena. And you might, my wife, we may, it may still be on YouTube. And I'm standing there. And it's all filmed. on. It, it's all filmed. And it's uh, Carbon Silicon under the West Way. And me and Elena are there. And Mick Jones is like looking at my wife. And he goes, this song's for you. It's for Fox News. He goes, it's for Fox News. It's <laughs> It's, he goes, yes, no, it's, he does a song called The News, which you can find uh, by Carbon Silicon. It's a great band. Sounds like a clash. He goes, this song's called The News. It's for Greg and Elena. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 I'm like going, this is amazing. If I had, uh, if I had if, again, if my 12-year-old or 13-year-old self had seen Mick Jones dedicating a song, I think he liked Elena. I think he liked my wife because she was cute. And, but he was such a sweetheart. And so we ended up afterwards, we ended up drinking in, the in, the, in that bar, and it was such an unusual mix of people. I, you know, obviously, Glenn Matlock had written a lot of the Sex Pistols stuff, and Paul Cook was the drummer. But there's also the dude there who had sang the song um, for the Sopranos, you know, woke up this morning, bought myself a gun. That dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Alabama 3. Band's called Alabama Three, so he was there um, because he was sick. They did a song. In fact, they did that song, but I think they did it the next night. But then um, it was just weird. You had all these really amazing people, like from the Buzzcocks, and it was it was all the guys who are now in their fifties and sixties. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, "Oh, holy shit! Thank God they don't know that I work for Fox News." But they didn't, you know. It was uh, great. So there, I went on a long tangent. No, it's a good one. It's a great one. Those are I'm I'm so insanely jealous right now. Like that's that's the dream, hanging out with Mick Jones. But here's the thing: all the people that you like, 
are have more in common with you than the people who like them. So for example, if you see any interview with Johnny Rotten, he is us. Yeah. He's not, he's not Antifa. And it is hilarious when you see like left-wing Antifa types uh, talk to him and he's like, get, get off my, get out of my face. You don't, you're not a punk. You're nothing. You're pathetic. <laughs> he's got, he's got more in common with us. And, and if you ever talk to him, I mean, I did that podcast with him about a month ago, right before the election. Cause I did, I didn't know this. What, what, what what's this other podcast? I, I do a thing called, uh, what's it called? I do a podcast called the one. And um, I had him on, and it's called The One, I'm The One. It's I, thought, I, thought, I thought Johnny Rotten had a podcast. He probably does have a he, podcast. He, no, no, but you know what? So he, um, he's very pro-Trump, and he's like, uh, he said that, you know, he's, he believes that Trump needs to be elected. Trump's the most, in his mind, Trump, he called, you know what he called Donald Trump? Johnny what? Rotten. He, wait, say that again, say that again. Who? He called Donald Trump Johnny Rotten. That's he outstanding. That he believes that Trump is, Trump is the epitome of the spirit of punk. And I wrote about this, by the way, I wrote about this a couple of years ago about the nature of punk rock and, and uh, conservatism and how, and he was explaining it to me that like, you have to understand that there was no left wing. There was no like leftism with punk. It, that was, it's all bullshit. And it was like, and it was like, and you start thinking about like, well, uh, Johnny Ramone, when he was at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, said, God bless uh, George Bush when he got up there. Yeah. And we were sort of like, holy crap. And there's all, the, I, I, Michael, I could tell you people that would, you would be shocked are on our side. If you, if I, but I can't tell you because that would, because they don't want to be, they can't afford, they would lose, they would lose their friends and livelihood. There's a guy that if I told you, was a avid Trump supporter and devastated over Trump losing. If I told you who it was, it would blow your mind. But I can't tell you because it would, it would also, he would lose everything. He would yes. Lose. And by the way, edgy punk rockers, seven, eight of them, dude, I, God, I wish I could tell you. I'm going to tell you a few of them because a few of them have, um, the chick from Royal Trucks, who I love. I can't think of her name now, but she's in Black Bananas with the red eye. Uh, she's she's a, like she's a libertarian. Exine Zervenka. Yeah. She's, she's like a libertarian. Uh, Billy Zoom from X used to do Red Eye. These it, it, Joe uh, Joe Escalante from the Vandals. There are, I mean, a lot of these people are. They're not political. They're just smart. There you go. There you go. And I tell you, that's. I can come. I can do the same. I can play the same kind of thing on yeah. the on the Hollywood side of it. I know yeah, too many exactly. people in Hollywood who are like on the down low. They're like, dude, he's the man. Right. I love him. Blah 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 blah. But you just can't take that risk because you'll you'll lose everything. You'll lose. Ready to stand out, Army Pro 
ROTC prepares you not only as a college student, but as a strong leader, allowing you to earn the rank of second lieutenant. You will be eligible for full tuition, merit-based scholarships, and develop leadership skills essential for your future. Start strong and enhance your college experience. Visit your campus Army ROTC representative today. To find out how you can earn up to a full tuition scholarship, visit GoArmy.com slash podcast to locate your closest ROTC program today. Army officers inspire strength in others. Paid for by the United States Army. This is Derek's O'Reilly Auto Parts story. After the third time jump-starting my car, I finally realized my battery was dying. So I stopped by O'Reilly to have it checked. They tested it right there in the parking lot. It was bad, real bad. But they helped me find the right battery for my car and even installed it for free. Now my car starts like new. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hope you enjoyed revisiting with some of our favorite personalities. Unfortunately, this week, there will be no Patreon. We promise you, you'll get a supersized Patreon next week, and we appreciate all of those subscribers so much. You allow us to do what we do, market what we do, and make this community bigger. So to all you dads out there, have a hope you had a great uh, Father's Day, excuse me, and um, see you next week. <laughs>